hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, yes indeed, Mark Hershaw here. Thanks to Bill Haywatt, our announcer, and also thanks to Joe Polino, our engineer and producer, and what the hell, thanks to Kenny Jurgis, our booth assistant as well. But mostly, thanks to you, our listener. Without you, I'd just be a guy talking to myself. Welcome to Happy 71 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Back this week from last weekend's rousing second annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. And what a festival it was, held once again at the Delfina Hotel in Santa Monica, Oh, that was different, because last year the hotel was under the Sheraton banner, and now it's part of the La Meridienne family. Anyway, there were tons of live podcasts going off during the three days, or really two and a half days, of the festival. Looking back on the schedule for the PodFest, they count 40 shows, and that's not counting the folks like us that were recording our own shows and interviews in the podcast lab. Speaking of which, the next couple of episodes of Suckatash will hopefully come out very quickly. Bam, bam, bam! I like to think because they'll be focused around interviews I did while I was at the festival. I'll be playing clips from many of the episodes from the podcast that were there. And, well, starting with this very episode where I talked with Dean Haglin. There was a piano, 1875. That's the exact same piano in the basement of my parents' house that I grew up in. Really? That's still there. Yeah, it's an 1875 Chickering and Sons from Boston. And when my parents bought the house, they actually poured the cement, like the previous owners poured the cement basement, lowered the piano in, and then built the house so over top of there's no way to get it out. There's no way to get it out. Phil Lairness. And I love that it, it doesn't stick around any longer than it needs to. No. In fact, it could have been shorter because three times you get to see the title card Gravity in the movie. <laughs> so I could have saved 10 seconds <laughs> from right. that movie. Right. Right. And sometime guest host Lily Holloman. I am in the Lady Killers, and I was also a producer on the film. So that's really what yeah. I'm still doing, is okay. wrapping up all the business stuff. Really embracing being a businesswoman these days. So does that make you a, a double threat, the fact you were acting and producing? I think so. Or a hyphenate? Or are those interchangeable? No, I like double threat, because I come from a theater background. So, okay. yeah, I like that better. All of the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour. Hey, this is Sean Merritt from Sideshow Network, and you're listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. We also have several clips from shows not associated with the PodFest, mostly thanks to the efforts of our honorary associate producer, Tyson Saner. He's also helping me by pulling clips from a number of the festival shows as well. Man, if I was getting paid for doing this show, I would give him some of that money, I bet. Speaking of which, this might be a good time to mention that I don't get paid for this, and really, why should I? This show is about as inconsistent as a hitman with narcolepsy, but there's still some pretty good stuff going on, and if you'd like to help us defray the cost of production, just go on up to our home site on the web at SuckatashShow.com, and you can do one of two things. Click on the Donate button and send along any amount you wish. You can also use our Amazon portal to do your online shopping. Just click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page and off you go to the world's largest online store for everything. When you do your shopping there by going through our site, we get a little bit back from Amazon in the old tip jar. So thanks so much for helping out and even bookmark SuckatashShow.com. So next time you're going to do shopping on Amazon, you can go there through us. All right, let's get on with this thing. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. 
It's time for our top 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast list. Those podcasts that have moved up the most or down the most on Stitcher's Top 100 Comedy Podcast this past week. At 37, The Smartest Man in the World, with Greg Proops up 28 places. At 42, The Mark and Linda Podcast down 34. At 63, The Dana Gould Hour up 44 places. This Week in Blackness Radio is at 64. That's up 15 places from last week. At 65, the Tenderloins podcast up 98 places. So they came from out of nowhere, the Tenderloins, and they're in the top 100. At 68, DVD ASA with David Cho and Asa, Asa Akira. Asia Akira. That's, what I'll, that's how I'll say it. So that's DVD, DVD ASA. Uh, they are down 32 places. At 78, Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicines, up 48 places. So they also uh, into the top 100 this week for the first time. At 79, Smodcast, Feeb, F-E-A-B, down 40 places. At 82, Answer Me This is up 16 places, putting them in the top 100. And at 91, Who's Paying Attention with Alonzo Bowden uh, is up 15 places. The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100. Comedy Podcast Jumping back to number 37, my friend and old improv partner Greg Proops not only climbed 28 places on the list this week, but he's getting ready to release a video special online. Coming out on Chill.com on October 22nd, it's Greg Proops live at Musso and Frank. Here's uh, the audio from his online video teaser. The staff has worked here since the earth was a swirling ball of gas. What happened was the earth cooled and then out of a pool crawled Sergio and Ruben and everyone who works here. I'm from San Francisco. And when you're from San Francisco, you know two things. One, everything. And two, this is the place where the mafia had its prom, ladies and gentlemen. Mickey Cohen, the mobster, used to drink here, and Sergio used to put hot towels on his knees. I have no idea what that's like. Bukowski was a poet. Uh, no one knows what poetry is here in Hollywood because it's not printed on money. I took advanced English, and we were supposed to read Moby Dick, and I thought, oh, fuck it, my life's not that long. All of Moby Dick? How about just the dick part? Let's cut to the chase. What a sensitive crowd. We don't get any retakes, by the way. I am looking forward to seeing Greg's special. Uh, just uh, recorded at a famous, uh, world-class, old-timey Hollywood restaurant. That's going to be pretty cool. So check uh, chill.com um, starting October 22nd, and you can download that. Uh, we've got a lot to get to this episode, a bunch of clips and uh, the three little interviews with the Chill Pack Lady Killer crew. So I am going to jump right in uh, with a clip. Uh, harvested by Tyson Saner from the Stephen Brody Stevens Festival of Friendship podcast. And I'm glad. I really like Brody Stevens. I've not had a chance to even hear his podcast yet. Plus, I also like James Adomian, who is an amazing vocal talent and funny as hell to boot. He's the guest with Stephen Brody Stevens on this particular episode. Uh, if you'd missed his uh, Marin in Space fit, he voiced on the IFC channel. It's hilarious with him as uh, Mark Marin 
as the captain of the Starship Enterprise. You can probably find it on YouTube, I'm imagining. In this clip, however, Brody and Adomian talk about a stand-up comedy staple, walking and driving in Los Angeles. I haven't driven a car in a while. I mean, I drive once in a while, like on road trips and stuff, but I haven't driven, like, commuted in a long time, many years, and... uh Maybe four years, not not that many, but uh, I've I, I've I've taken the bus and walked a lot throughout my adult life, and um, I have walked over Laurel Canyon before. And Are the you Coenga serious? Pass. Yes, and the Coenga Pass is one like you know because I feel like I have two hours. I'm doing Coenga first, and then I'll do Laurel Canyon. Okay, like I I'm like I'll be done with an audition at Warner Brothers, right? Next appointment's two hours from now, somewhere in Hollywood or something. So it's like you know what. I could get on a bus and sit sit down and feel fat, but it's like the weather's perfect, and I might as well walk. And then you walk up over the Coenga Pass, and you're the only person doing it. It's fun, like it's on a beautiful day. It's really beautiful. However, they don't they don't have like sidewalks um, after uh, Barham, like down the actual Coenga Pass. Yeah, so you're kind of walking up in the ivy, uh, like um, it's like a, a hike. It's like a hike. You're walking up in the ivy and the um, the barrier next to the cars and you know you have to walk against traffic because you don't want them to hit you and and uh you want to make sure you have eye contact with them when they're coming but i walked over laurel canyon and that was i thought because i walked over coenga a few times i was like oh you know this is easy i can just i could do this and then uh i was like on the a little bit further west and it was like same thing i go i gotta go down to west hollywood and i'm i'm in uh, valley village or whatever so i was like i'll walk down laurel canyon and uh it's twice as long and it's really steep and there's no like there's nowhere to stop. Like if you go over the Coenga Pass, there's like gas stations and stuff. If you mm-hmm. need to do something, there's nothing but rich people's houses. And there, again, there's no sidewalks, but they're 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 like fast rich people in like in like very fast SUVs or sports cars, and they're coming around these crazy curves trying to hit you. And so I only did that once. I walked over Laurel Canyon once, and I would not do it again. But yeah. Coenga Pass, I think, is safe to go if are, you're a healthy young person. Are there sidewalks on Laurel Canyon? No, there are. The, 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 uh, you know the, the Shell Silverstein book where the sidewalk ends? I could tell you exactly where. It's Laurel Canyon. They got a couple sidewalks going up in either direction, and they cut off. They, they specialize in that. So they just don't encourage walking. It's amazing to me that it's not technically illegal, I guess, to walk. Maybe it is. Maybe I'm just a scofflaw. I don't care either way. But uh, it might be legal to walk on the street, but they just look like, well, it might as well be illegal because we're going to make it extremely difficult and dangerous for you. Like, their idea is like, well, everybody here is rich, so of course they're driving. Uh, They're driving all the time. Yeah. No one would ever walk unless they're, you know. Well, this town was built on cars, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the things I hate about Los Angeles. The cars? Yeah, yeah. I hate driving. You 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 drive cars, I guess. I drive. I don't hate it. I don't. Um, I I don't get angry anymore now that I don't drive. I am not angry at all, and I lost a bunch of weight. I think cars make people fat and angry. Well, you got to exercise. You have to find that time, See, make that time. I never do that. The only time I have to exercise is like I'm late. I and like if I'm running late without a car, I'm actually literally running running late, and it's like that's the only way I'll stay in shape. How do you get along with the, the the bus system here? Is it reliable? No, it's probably the worst of a, any major city. It's an embarrassment. Uh, and you know the, the story about how we had a really great transit system here back in the 40s. Oh, yeah, trains. We had trolleys and stuff, and it was this it was this plot where General Motors and um, Standard Oil bought the streetcar system in Los Angeles and ripped it out of the streets so that everybody had to drive cars. 
You could still see the train tracks where they, they yeah. were. You can see a lot of them in um, streets like Santa Monica Boulevard that have a median divider. That's where the train used to be. Or um, or Culver, like a big median. And yeah. They built the Expo line partly along an old trolley line. Yeah, like it goes all the way to Santa Monica, I think. It goes to Culver City, and it will go to Santa Monica when they finish it, I guess. Oh, you're talking about the new one. The new one, yeah, yeah. The new subway. The old one went all over, yeah. I, I took the subway... A couple weeks ago, I saw a concert, the Black Keys. I took the subway Downtown? from... Yeah. I took it from Hollywood and Highland. So I live in Hollywood. Good. I walked to the Hollywood and Highland subway station. I took the subway one other time, like a year ago. Yeah. And my goal was to get down to the Staples Center downtown. It, and it was easy. Yeah. Was 7th Street Metro Center? Yeah. Yeah. I love... Uh, the, uh, I, I moved away like a year ago, but like the last few years I lived in L.A., I always made a point to try to live near... The red line, because it's really good. It is convenient. It's, it's a really buck good. fifty. Yeah, you don't have to worry about parking. Yeah, you don't have to worry about traffic. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I don't think the people who ride the subway are as weird as the bus riders. You can find Brody and his festival of friendship at feralaudio.com, iTunes, and on Stitcher Smart Radio. Brody vines a lot too, so look for those. They're pretty funny. My first clip from one of the L.A. PodFest shows comes from Doug Loves Movies with Doug Benson, one of the few podcasts out of the 40 they had that I actually had time to watch when I was there this year. Uh, the one this year, by the way, wasn't as crazy as last year's, which was kind of unhinged. But he did have Jimmy Pardo, Nick Thune, D.C. Pearson, David Huntsberger on stage with him. Uh, this clip is uh, before those guests even came out, however, when Doug clears the air about Mr. Belvedere's balls. everybody <laughs> um, all right uh, sidebar I um, <laughs> um, I just watched the, the great thing about this uh, the podcast festival is uh, many of the shows here in the ballroom most of the shows in the ballroom are live streamed so I was able to watch the show that was happening here prior to this show in my hotel room so I'm just you know staying here for the weekend and um, I was watching it, and it was Pop My Culture podcast. Were you guys here? And I was screaming at my computer because they started, Bryce Beckham from Mr. Belvedere was one of the guests, and uh, Cole and uh, Vanessa, and, and there was also some other people from uh, Friday night uh, TV shows. But they came right out of the gate at Bryce Beckham with, did Mr. Belvedere really sit on his own balls. And, and I don't know if Bryce is still around, but uh, he was like, I, I, as far as I know, that didn't happen. I'm just a kid. Maybe they didn't tell me. But he gave a really, like, political... Like, first of all, Mr. Belvedere is dead. And so is any interest in that program. And, and whether or not he sat on his... I mean, I guess people are still curious about the testicle story. But here's... People know the testicle story because I was roommates with the young man who played Kevin, Bryce's older brother on Mr. Belvedere, Rob Stone. I was his roommate. He got this big part in this TV show, so I wasn't his roommate for much longer because he was, he was making good money and he didn't need to have roommates. But I was at the time, I was sleeping on the futon in the living room of the apartment that he lived in. And he came home early one day. And we said, me and the other roommate, why are you home early, Rob Stone? And he said, Mr. Belvedere sat on his own testicles. <laughs> this is a fucking fact that this happened. 
And me and my friends thought that was the funniest thing we'd ever heard. And one of my friends named Brian started a Mr. Belvedere sitting on his own testicles impression that eventually I stole and used in my own act. And it goes a little like this. <laughs> and I've told that story a lot of times. And one person I told that story to was Adam Sandler, who loved that story so much that he told it a lot of times to other people, one of which was Jay Moore, who then wrote a book where he said that Adam Sandler was guest starring on Mr. Belvedere and he sat on his own <laughs> testicles. So I've been trying to set the record straight. You'll want to check out the whole episode at DougLovesMovies.com, iTunes, and on Stitcher Smart Radio. Now, before the live taping of the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, hosts Dean Haglin and Phil Lerness, along with occasional guest host and Phil's better half, Lily Holloman, showed up at the Podfest. They dropped into the podcast lab where, festooned on a table with our Succotash banner, I was holding court. Well, not really court. I was just propping up a corner of the podcast lab. Um, I will have a shot of that up on the home site, by the way. You can see it at SuccotashShow.com. Really something to see. And I chatted with each of them briefly. So here's my talk with Dean, and I'll uh, sprinkle the other two chats out throughout the show. So uh, please pardon the room noise, by the way. The podcast lab was a little loud. Dean Haglin joins us in our little corner of the podcast lab. <laughs> That's right. Did you hear your uh, your last Suckatash call out? I did. I love that. How often are we uh, cross uh, what's that called? Cross pollinating our shows? I all the time. It's, all the time. Uh, it's fantastic. It's had, you know, it's just sort of we go, and we should say someone's out there listening. Suckatash, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, uh, I I met the winner of your. Uh, your podcast pass last night. Yes, the trivia contest. Yes, which Sean we Phillips. thought yes was actually very clever. Uh, even we didn't know the answer to our own trivia yes, contest. Yes, that was great. <laughs> I know we really should actually research these things when we ask the question. It's sort of like saying, "In what year was Jesus born?" Well, that, like, that's how raw on the edge podcasting is. <laughs> that's right. We don't know we the. Do, we don't even know that we're going to ask a trivia question so difficult that even we can answer it. Well, yeah, you know, because now you know you think back to you know radio station trivia questions and stuff the, if the internet was around when they were all doing that you know now they used to wait for a half hour before somebody would call in with the right answer with the right answer now it's just a scramble to see who can type into google the fastest right right exactly and think of that and then soon when your phone will be implanted in your head yes and then you get that chip and wet wired <laughs> technology the internet will just be in your head the whole time what a delight it will be a delight it it's will like be. a school it would be so easy so uh, so you and dean actually have a, a, a slot. Phil, actually, Phil yeah. sorry. Yes. You are I'm Dean. Dean. You are Dean. He is Phil. Me and Dean, though. But, yeah. but you <laughs> that's are, another little you story. You are, in a sense, called. conjoined. And, <laughs> no. and, virtually, yeah. and virtually identical. Yes, we are interchangeable. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but you and Phil are doing a, a, an actual live edition yes. of Chill Pack here at the LA Podfest. Are you anxious about it? No, we've done many live uh, mm -hmm. uh, guest events. Quite often when we're at a science fiction convention or something, instead of a Q&A or, you know, your panel, we will record the panel because then the mm -hmm. fans ask the questions and then that's a fascinating podcast as well. But so. isn't it true at most of those events that there's more alcohol involved than you've had to consume so far? <laughs> Don't kid yourself. I am hammered. <laughs> <laughs> it is what? 1.30 on a Sunday? Yeah, no, I'm drunk out of my head. No, no, no. 
Um, yeah, well, you also don't have we do those in the morning, so technically I'm hungover. So. <laughs> well, this is this is an interesting thing to watch the podcast being performed here, because most of these podcasters, although they may be comics, a lot of them, they're not used to doing their podcast necessarily in front of an audience, on right. a stage, by the same light of day, with uh, equipment they may not be familiar with, other factors. So how does that affect you guys doing a podcast in this sort of a situation, as opposed to your normal setup? Well, I think it makes us just look that much more slicker, doesn't it? I mean, really, when you're that relaxed in front of a crowd, and you know what the podcast is going to entail, in terms of, like, you know, microphones and chat. Sure. I think everybody will be mildly... But are, are there elements you have to take into into account when you're going, okay, what are we going to do for this show? No, I don't... Uh, we never rehearse a thing. And often, just like my panels at conventions, I never pre... I have a very well-worked-out outline. He's got a worked-out outline. Look at that suck. This is, you know what, <laughs> knowing the way you guys put your show together now, this is kind of like the improv game playbook, where one guy has the script and the other guy's got nothing. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's an actor's nightmare over and over again. Yes. I don't know what play I'm in, but I'm on stage. There we go. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. It works great. Yeah, and so, in fact, the interview would be completely different if Phil were answering those same questions right now. <laughs> Have so you thought true. about what you're going to do? Does it make a difference? Yeah, I carefully <laughs> planned it out, Phil says. For Dean? No, no, no difference at all. It's exactly the same. Could not care less. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, that's true. Isn't it? No. Uh, okay. So uh, you've been traveling a bit lately. Holy shit! <laughs> Have I? Uh, your, stock. Your advent, your adventure in Canada sounded interesting. The uh, the uh, Barkerville. Yes, Barkerville adventure. Yeah, yeah. Barkerville is a unique mining town in the middle. I mean, in the middle of nowhere. And what was fascinating? I don't think I got to on the show, so I'll tell it here. Yeah. There was a piano, 1875. That's the exact same piano in the basement of my parents' house that I grew up in. Really? That's still there. Yeah, it's an 1875 Chicorine and Sons from Boston. And when my parents bought the house, they actually poured the cement, like the previous owners poured the cement basement, lowered the piano in, and then built the house so on top of it. there's no way there. to get it out. There's no way to get it out. So there's a, a rare, rare piano. And the same one was in this mining town in the middle of nowhere. Now, it would be interesting to find out how many of those still exist in the world. Well, exactly. I was quite fascinated. So I, there was a historian that knew everything about all the items in Barkerville. Okay. And he explained that that piano was uh, purchased in a... 1875 out of Boston, taken by train across to San Francisco, then by ship up to Vancouver, then dismantled and taken by donkey up to Barkerville. Wow. Now think of this, in, in, and this would have been 1903 probably, or yeah. 1910 maybe, to take donkeys, which is right now a nine-hour drive in the modern oh automobile from Vancouver to Barkerville. And there's roads that go through the Rocky yeah, Mountains. This would have been weeks. Weeks of dragging a freaking piano on how many donkeys? Like, you know. It's like uh, it's like that Werner Herzog movie, uh, pulling the, the, uh, the paddle boat over the mountain. Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo, thank, thank you. I was going to say, no. where the green ends dream. But that's a totally different documentary. I was going to say Jack Reacher. but uh. <laughs> Hey, don't kid yourself. I got the soundtrack to that side. Don't even kid yourself. <laughs> I got Jack Reacher. Remember, we listened to it in the car for half an hour. Just the same.
him droning cello for an hour and a half. <laughs> but very, very moving. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what uh, what other adventures have you been up to other oh. than the, the the podcast and your your travels? Have any? you heard we made a movie called The Lady Killers? I not what? what I know really yeah can you believe it? <laughs> That's crazy talk. Yes, we did um, The Lady Killers, which is in the can. Yes, and now we're being edited, being edited, not as we speak, mind you, because the no. editor <laughs> is right. freaking right here doing a podcast. <laughs> Hello, chop chop, says the exec producer. <laughs> <laughs> movie ain't gonna make itself. <laughs> but yeah, no, we're, uh, that's very exciting. So that's some adventures there. Now, and do, you, do you have an estimated time that's gonna be, Ray, for the world to start taking a look at it? Mm -hmm. 2017. <laughs> it's gonna be really exciting when 2017 rolls around. Excellent. Mm -hmm. The world will be ready. <laughs> the world will be ready to see it. We're gonna see it a little bit before that. But it's a movie ahead of its time, so we're waiting. <laughs> exactly. We know society will be in, in about the right place in the 2017 <laughs> circa. Once the U.S. government's been shut down for three years. Three years, we've gone into complete anarchy. Then you're going to enjoy a movie like The Lady Killers. <laughs> That's what we know. So, yeah, no, I guess... Um, I don't know. I heard a delivery date of February next year, but that seems really optimistic. Uh, yeah, see, he's shaking his head. Edder's shaking his head. Yeah, because he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, listen, you guys get ready for your show. and uh, Yeah, what do we have to do? I am ready for my oh, show. You're, you're always ready for I'm your show. I'm always ready. I'm, I thought this was the show. <laughs> I thought this was a joke. <laughs> this isn't it? No, this is a much bigger audience. Second time she has a bigger audience. Yeah, yeah that's right. This, co this constitutes the clip I have to play from you guys this week. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> You're not getting to mention him when we're on stage, pal. Get serious. Yeah, which is going to be hard because he'll be with us. <laughs> That's right. You and I do take a comedy. That, take that T-shirt off. When <laughs> <laughs> did that become uh, that show? All right, Dean. Well, enjoy the rest of the uh, the Thanks, festival Mark. while you're here and have a yep. good time on stage. I'm going to enjoy the ginger scones. For free at the podcast know. lab. Look at that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Christine Blackburn from Storyworthy here at the L.A. Podfest in Santa Monica, California. And I'm sitting here with Succotash. And if you know what's good for you, you'll follow him at Succotash. And you'll listen to Storyworthy and follow me, too, at Storyworthy. Oh, and by the way, make it a Storyworthy week. Improv for Humans. Matt Besser's show was at the Podfest, but this clip is from another live appearance that Tyson Saner happened to grab. It's from Bumbershoot in Seattle, and Tyson says he liked this poll because it's very, hi, this is who we are, and here we go. Uh, as opposed to kind of uh, taking some time to get to the meat of the show, it's also based around the Herald structure for you improv wonks, which lends itself pretty well, as it turns out, to a podcast. Welcome to Improv for Humans. I'm Matt Besser. Tim Meadows, Horatio Sands. Bring him out. Yay! Yay! Thank you. Okay, guys, any observations uh, on the festival so far? Anything okay. happened to you yesterday? It's okay? <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I don't know. I thought there would be more fights and stuff. That's what you look for in festivals? Yeah, is fights? Do you I've been go out there and instigate them? Yeah, I've been pushing people into other people. Like, what the fuck, man? What's going on here? And everybody's really polite and stuff, so it's not been happening. At one festival I went to, was it Bonnaroo? They had big signs up that said, don't be that guy. Have you guys seen that? That was so effective for me. Because I know in my 20s I was that guy. 
How many of that guy? Who's that? Who's been that guy? Just raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's an example of it. (laughs) Sounds like him. Still might be that guy, sir. He's that guy right yeah. now. He doesn't see it as a negative. He's like, yeah. Last night I was sitting with uh, my friend. We were eating, and repeatedly gangs of of very high teens were, were kind of walking, and were just walking right towards us to walk over us. Gangs of high teenagers. Yeah, and everyone, I always hear like, oh my god, I'm so high. But they would just would not see us. We were invisible. And knock, knock, knock. Knock, 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 knock. Uh, yeah. Hello. Hi, Brian. I'm, I'm going around telling everyone in the neighborhood there's a gang of high teenagers coming this oh way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's okay. about 500 of them. They're, they're flocking together. They have, they have a tasty kind bud. Oh, God. I just got a, I got a bunch of miniature uh, Hershey snacks here. I got to hide those fast. Oh, if I was right you, I'd throw them out on the lawn just to keep them Seriously? outside your okay. house. Okay. All right. Hey, man. What's going on, dude? Shit. Okay. I'm gonna bust your head open, man. <laughs> That's not high. What are you high on? Stone and violent, man. <laughs> well, uh, can I offer you a? a, a can a, I offer a, to put your mouth on a curb and smack the back of your head with my foot? Whoa. What kind of weed wow. are you guys smoking? Dude, is this like hypersativa? We don't going fuck on? around. That's what we're smoking, dude. That's a strain. We don't fuck around. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a hybrid. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's a hybrid between what? Like it's not like a hybrid between weed and crack. Like gunpowder. Hey man, these dudes are really mouthy, man. I'm gonna punch this dude in whoa, his whoa, face whoa, 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 right whoa. now, man. If no, you don't no, give dude, me a Hershey just, bar, let's let's raid the fridge, raid their weed, raid their money. Yeah, and then put Cut duct tape your... around their wrist and just pop them in the head, execution <laughs> style. Do it, and then we're gonna watch Directv, man. Fuck yeah. 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 Directv. Right, get your Directv out of the lawn. Yeah, okay, okay, guys, I'm gonna set you up on the lawn. You can have whatever you want. I'm just gonna set you up with like a little suite out here on the lawn. All right, right man. Don't you try anything fancy or anything, man. Look, here's the Cartoon Network. Here oh, it is. Cool. Oh, shit. This is yeah. great. Adventure time, man. Okay. You have ice cream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what kind do you need? Anything with a swirl in it. Okay. Get it right so now, man. It's very chocolate. Oh, swirl something in it. Okay. I'm going to swirl in some mayonnaise and some vanilla Fair ice cream. enough. Okay. And sing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Get more improv for humans over at Earwolf.com, iTunes, and Stitcher. Comedian Kara Soltanovich was all over the L.A. PodFest. Every time I turned around, there she was, either interviewing someone or being interviewed herself. Now, she hasn't really been on my radar up until now, but I got to see her perform live at the late Saturday night stand-up smash show they did, and now I'm a fan. In this clip that Tyson grabbed, we hear part of Kara's interview with Lorraine Newman. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's so nice to be in the States. You guys didn't know, but that oh, that whole time she is British, you know, and yes. she did an American accent. I've taken a break from Downton Abbey to be here. Thank you. We really, really appreciate it, Lorraine. Um, I doubt that your kids have cock-blocked any of your career because um, it seems like after your ki- your kids are how old? They're 22 and 18. 22 and 18. The yeah. last one just left. Yes. She left. She did. Literally. Went to Go college. Away. And <laughs> I just don't know what to do with myself. Those are tears of joy. Oh, no. You know, at first, actually, when she started 12th grade, that's when I started to freak out. 
And so I got it all out of the way, and then when she went away to college, I was like, hey, I, I feel all right. I'm what have you right, changed I'm her fine. room into? Is her room into like a sex dungeon or something? Uh, or God, just old VHS tapes. God, Which one is it? Both? Yes. Yes. But a gym also. A gym? So that the <laughs> equipment can double up. You know. She can sleep on one of those uh, Christy Brinkley things. Nails. What are they called? Bed of nails. The, the what master? The butt master? No. <laughs> butt master. No, you're talking about a sex dungeon. It's the butt I'm plug about master. <laughs> the butt plug master. But uh, have you changed her room? Has it? Uh, not yet, but I've changed my older daughter's room. Oh, what is it now? My room. It's your room. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, very you know, healthy marriage. Every once in a while, my husband does like to stay up really late and watch TV. And TV yes, in quotes. Sure, TV. sure. All guys and need to I, catch up on their mat. I cannot. You know, I can't <laughs> wear one of those. What? What was that? <laughs> Nothing. No, no, no. He's watching TV. Uh, honey, you know, I miss some of these things that you're saying. Wait, Matlock? Matlock? You know Matlock. All right, easy. <laughs> Not Matlock. God. Um, and, you know, I, I can't wear one of those sleep masks to block out the light and, and earplugs and stuff, so I'll go into my daughter, my other daughter's room. Right. That's good. Well, you guys have the space now. We do. We do. Now, you have managed to have a career for uh, decades Longer right. than you've been alive. Longer right? than yeah. not true, but yeah. thank you. That is very sweet. It's just a little alpha hydroxy around the eyes. That's all it is. Freshening. Um, yes. But you've managed to stay in, like, in our ear holes, especially. Mm. Um, I'm not being gross. You've done like a trillion voices for television and movies, and I mean, you're around. You're doing it. What oh, are yes. some of the the big ones that we would know? Well. Um, Oh, God, I wish I brought my phone up here so I could look at my IMDb page because I can never can remember. Somebody, <laughs> I somebody God, please IMDb I, Lorraine Newman. I was, I was looking at an ad for Happily Never After, and I was thinking, why didn't I work on that? And then somebody <laughs> called me and said, hey, you were really great in Happily Never After. And I was like, I, did, I forgot that I worked on it. <laughs> you know, so I... Um, we I all experience that, right? <laughs> Performers in the room. It's so messed totally up. Totally. Really. Forgot. It's messed up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> right now I'm doing a very cute show. And speaking of Downton Abbey, uh, it's, it's a Disney Junior show called Doc McStuffins. <gasps> Are you serious? And I play <laughs> Professor Hootsburg. Aubrey loves all that the, show. All the parents, well, your all the parents in the room just freaked out. Oh, yes. oh my so God, my kid watches that. Oh, fine. wow. You've so done a lot. But yeah, this show scrolling. is so huge in England that they have actually gotten cast members from Downton Abbey to do voices on the show. It's just, it's a smash. Why can't you just do the voice on the show? Well, I could. I am one-stop <laughs> shopping, if <laughs> actually. But, you know, um, they get to meet them. Uh, let me see. Now, so you made a genius choice. As you scroll, I'll talk. Uh, you made a genius choice to do. Was it a choice to do voiceovers? I yeah, mean, and it's the perfect job when you have small kids. Right. Uh, I was actually pregnant with my younger daughter when I started uh, a Warner Brothers cartoon called Hysteria, which was. Uh, we got <laughs> you were applauding that? Clap. No, no. Start, start that teen wow. movie clap. Oh, thank you so <laughs> Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Um, and that was a war, a big, you know, the people who did Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. This was uh, yeah. one of his shows, and it was one of the last shows that had like those big hundred-piece orchestra original songs that Warner Brothers, you know, thing that they do. Um, 
God, it was great. Okay. We're lowering the uh, lights because Lorraine's going to sing. And good night. I smell burnt toast. <laughs> <All right. laughs> the Kira Sultanovich Show is gettable from thenetworkstudios.com, and it's also on iTunes. Uh, the next interview I got to do was uh, in the podcast lab with Phil Lerness. It's a very brief couple of minutes with Phil, uh, but uh, we uh, we talked about a few things here. This. So uh, I'm, well, here, I'm here with Phil Lerness from Chillpack Hollywood Hour. We're going to, uh, yeah, your friend in podcasting. We're going to do an hour-long show, give or take, which always means give. Yeah, give. yeah and give then give it, some more. Give till it hurts. Ideally, if there's an audience, maybe we'll move some merchandise afterwards. Sure, sure. I was thinking beforehand to warm up, you and uh, Haglund do an improv game. What? Yeah, beforehand. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. I was that. thinking the old interrogation game. I'm a big fan of that. And that really gets the audience involved. I have to guess yeah. who I am. And what you did. You have to guess what you did. Oh, what, what I did. crime. Okay. Yeah. You did a crime. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're not letting you off easy, and then you have to come yeah, and you yeah. have to. And the audience gives you uh, yeah, they, clues by reacting yes. how close you get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I sit in the side, and I just uh, laugh <laughs> delightedly. I do sure. nothing except be, be a, a joy of audience yeah yeah that sounds great good okay well i'm glad we did a production meeting on your gigantic ipad recorder absolutely wow <laughs> i don't understand are we recording yeah and yeah. what what is what is that thing 0105 it keeps well, changing remember the timer on lost <laughs> i don't oh. Actually, i never watched oh then uh, believe it or not yeah it's entirely lost thing. no it's just timing how long we've been doing it was the island real uh no spoiler alert did you love gravity uh it was very enjoyable yeah i, I did not know what to expect it lily, was really, li, li, lily said uh might be one of the best movies she's ever seen it was little i was going in to see it and overton was texting me and he said it's literally edge of your seat and it was i mean it was like it's uh, it's, it's something crazy. and i love that it, it doesn't stick around any longer than it needs to no in fact it could have been shorter because three times you get to see the title card gravity in the movie <laughs> so i could have saved 10 seconds <laughs> from right. that movie right there. I think we're four to six, aren't we? Is there a schedule anywhere around here? He keeps telling us we're two. Well, there's Chris. Ask him. All right, that's it. Bye. <laughs> Hello, friends. Has the world's economical, environmental, and political situations gotten you mad as hell? And are you just about ready to not take it anymore? We hear you, friend. And it couldn't be a better time for you to collect your righteous indignation get to your feet, and pull up your pants. As long as those pants are Henderson's patented bitchin' britches, that is. Yes, when you're spoiling for a fight, bitchin' britches are just the thing. The secret is in the lining. Every square inch of the inside of these high-quality trousers is covered with durable and stiff, 100% pure mohair, guaranteeing that you'll have ants in your pants and be hot under the collar from the moment you zip up the fly. And the relentless itching is just the start of the bitchin' britches experience. Grueling hours of testing and research has taught Henderson's tailors how to fashion the pockets to be just small enough to make it virtually impossible to carry anything larger than a quarter and a tic-tac which means your wallet, keys, and loose change has to be carried around in your hands. On top of that, these pants don't breathe, so you'll be sweating like a monkey on meth within moments of slipping them on. (laughs) 
clearly too uncomfortable for you to be able to sit for very long. Your neighbors will be sure to see you marching your way down to City Hall to get complaints off your chest. They'll be proud of your desire to make yourself be heard. They'll admire your determined manner, your cocksure attitude. And all the while, they'll never know the real reason for your renewed sense of civic responsibility is your brand new pair of Henderson's bitchin' britches. Originally designed for chronic complainers like Joan of Arc, the Donner Party, and Donald Trump, Henderson's bitchin' britches are itching for you to hitch them up wherever outmoded hipster clothes refuse to go out of style. That's Henderson's, makers of fine bins, tacks, and bipedal leg sheaths since 1622. And now back to Suckatash. I am going to keep the tweet sack brief this episode because A, we've got a ton to get to, and B, there's not a whole lot in the tweet sack. Love this one, however, this on Twitter from Harry Humor in New York. Uh, this show is much more entertaining than it should be. I even feel like I should buy some Henderson pants. See, if you can't donate money, that kind of tweet's the next best thing, as far as I'm concerned. Now, here's a partial list of those people kind enough to have mentioned Suckatash this this past week in a tweet somehow. They either retweeted us, they mentioned us. Uh, Somehow, our name was associated with theirs, and uh, here they are. Shane Elliott, Benny Show, Reaction Podcast, 76th Street Pod, Caleb Eats Bacon, Davian Dent, The Bitter Sound, Ed Wallach, Podcast Horror, Space Robot Cast, Chet Haas, BC Juggernaut, Fredders Torres, Neil Gat, Ren J. Rack, Ken J. Rack, sorry about that, Alita G6, S Blog 721, DG Square 2, Dana Carvey, what? Yes, Dana Carvey tweeted about us, Kill Cron Don, Rudy Reber, Ali Spagnola, It's Lizzie, Research Series, Darwinorth OZ, D. Quinn, Lem Burns, Mighty Banter, Staff Loungin, Inverse Delirium, Air Raid Net, The Pod Mafia, Eric and Stacy, Podcast Squared, Perfect Basics, Jessica Causen, I Am Comic Movie, Elijah Howard, Diamond Meadow, the Takes Calm, L.A. Podfest, Andy T. Wood, That Guy Travis, The Comedy Buffet, V.C. Eden, The D-Head Factor, Combat Radio, Towlin Monk, Storyworthy, Eat KS, Dorktown, SFJ.com, Greg Proops, SI Podcast, A-Speed, Mark Hustved, Illusionoid Pod, Mrs. Bob Burley, WFO Dicks, Susan Weigman's, and Heart Train One. Just a reminder that I do the best I can to keep tabs on our Twitter feed, so if you include at Succotash Show when you're tweeting about your newest comedy podcast episode having dropped, I'll retweet that info for you. Right, Tweety? That's it for the Tweet Sack this episode. Let's get back to the action. I'm Dylan Brody. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Do something else. It's interesting to see how many siblings pop up as podcast hosts. One of the best-known ones is My Brother, My Brother, and Me. But there's also the Sibling Rivalry podcast, the Kamenetsky Brothers Lando Lakers podcast, and a whole bunch of other ones. One I just found out about, courtesy of Tyson Saner, is Jump to the End, featuring brother-sister team Scott Fitzman and Molly Harris. 
Their show's Twitter page describes the podcast as two grown siblings talking shit about people, places, and things. In this clip, they talk about revisiting cartoons and other entertainment from their childhood and what it's like exposing their kids to it. Speaking of cartoons, you know what he started watching? Flintstone Kids. Do you remember that? No. Oh, my God. It was on the Saturday mornings around the same time the Smurfs was on. Yeah. Um, it, they also watch Smurfs. Oh, yeah. they love it. Yeah, Bernie watches Smurfs oh, all the time. Oh, they love it. He loves it. They're fucking painful. Oh, yeah. Not as good as I remember. Yeah. But, yeah, it's Flintstone Kids. And that we were watching it the other night. I'm like, oh, my God, I remember this. I remember, like, almost all the words, like the dialogue yeah. to it. They play all those on Boomerang. They play all those old, mm-hmm. old. Um, He watched Thundercats the other day. And he's like, what is this? What is this fantastic new show? I'm like, oh, it's not new. And it's not really fantastic. It's not, but to a six-year-old's mind, it's all fantastic. Yeah, I got I got Bernie watching uh, Super Friends. Oh, nice. Super Friends and Challenge of the Super Friends. Hmm. So that's pretty good. Those are painful too, but yeah, yeah. Like the the logo for our show, we we had uh, Ditko von Kirby on Twitter did our logo for our show, had us rendered as Wonder Twins. So. You know, watching the, the Super Friends cartoon with the kid, he's like, he thinks it's great. And I'm watching the Wonder Twins and going like, what? This is, they are so fucking ridiculous. Like, but what? so are we. So. Oh, yeah, but it's like. I think that anybody's listening but to this. I, I didn't never even, I never really remembered that like their powers are so dumb. Oh, yes. I always remember yeah. it was like, oh, they could they could turn into anything. Well, no, they don't. They can't. They don't. Like, she turns into like some sort of animal. And his only his only thing is he can turn into some form of water. Right. So every time it's like she's like form of a hawk, and he's like a form of a bucket of water, <laughs> form of an ice cube. No shit, that's what he does. Like every time. I remember. Yeah. Form yeah. of a fucking gas so really, cloud. It, it's it's irony at its best because they are not wonder. They're, They're not, not very wonderful. wonderful at all. No. Off the topic of uh, cartoons, though. I did make Henry watch an episode of The Monsters the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Was he scared? No. At first, he's like, ha, ha, this is funny. And then halfway through, he's like, can we watch something else? I think it's because it was black and white. Yeah. Like, his little tiny brain he, can't process. <laughs> Bernie, the other day, he was, uh, we were flipping the channels on TV or something, and there was a, a black and white movie on. Yeah. And he was like, oh, it's Popeye's show. Yeah, uh-huh. right. Because our dad always watched some um, cowboys, yeah, westerns. Old black and white westerns. Yeah. Oh, and then Henry asked me after watching so many black and white movies mm. with Dad. Uh, he said, so, so "Why are you so?" No, old? no, no. He said, "Was life back then color?" Oh. <laughs> he said, "When did when did life become color?" I said, oh, I, I said could, "Could you be more specific?" I don't know what you're talking about. He said, "Those movies that Popeye watches. That Popeye's what he calls my dad because when he was little, he couldn't say Papa. The movies that Popeye watches." They're all in black and white. So so everything was black and white back then? I said, no, no, no. I said, life was color. They just didn't have black and white film. Mm-hmm. And then you could literally, I mean, you could have probably, if you put your hand up against his ear, you probably could have felt smoke coming out of his ear. He couldn't figure out. He's like, wait, what? He's like, what do you mean? So back back up. He And he finally said, mommy, that doesn't make any sense. I said, okay, well, when you get a little older, maybe it'll make a little sense. <laughs> But yeah, why? When did life become color? That's that was a very sweet, mm-hmm. innocent six-year-old question. Reminisce and shoot the shit at justjumptotheend.libsyn.com, 
and iTunes. Back to the LA PodFest, let's get a taste of the live in front of a live audience version of the Indoor Kids. Hosted by the husband and wife team of comics Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon, this show focuses on video games. In this segment from the Fest with Blair Butler, they talked about video games that they've recently been depressed about, and also games that they use as a catharsis. What are you playing, Blair? Uh, let's see. Well, I made the very unwise decision to play uh, The Last of Us and uh, the Telltale Games Walking Dead game back-to-back. Which is very sad. sad. It's like taking yourself to a double feature of The Road and Sophie's Choice. So... <laughs> It really is almost exactly and that. And in between movies, you find out your grandmother died. Yeah, no, it was... It but was, you don't go? You're like, all right, yeah, I need I'll something to snap movie. out of this. She's so far away, Sophie's you Sophie's Choice. There. Maybe it's chocolate or vanilla. <laughs> no, it's Carly or Doug. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, the end of uh, The Walking Dead game kind of reduced me uh, to tears. And, uh, you and I were texting about it. I, yeah, I texted Emily, and Emily was like, Blair, if you feel the urge to hurt yourself or others, please seek help. <laughs> That game should have, like, a helpline. Yeah. Like, Last of Us and Walking Dead. Yeah. I had to uh, skip playing Gone Home and just go straight to GTA. You need a a palate cleanser of just just fun violence. Yeah. Just fun murder. And how has it been? How do you like GTA so far? You know, here's the weird thing. So, I have been weirdly tantalized. Like, I've been having these great... I live in L.A. and I'm seeing things replicated uh, in the world moments, Um, like the Palm Springs aerial tramways in there, (laughs) which is crazy. the uh, the Wiltern Theater, Wiltern the Wilshire yeah. Christian Church, like to see these little sort of nods that are in there, <laughs> yeah. it it kind of blows my mind. Plus, there's sun and there aren't uh, zombies or yeah. or oh yeah, everyone's still know, alive. Molds yeah. for people murdering everyone. Yeah. You know, it's and also Meltdown Comics is there. It's a combination. Meltdown Comics, which is where we do a comedy show and uh, oh, also record this podcast. Also, where we record the podcast. The uh, it's the best store. If, while you're in L.A., if you're visiting, do yourself a favor. Go. It's like a Candyland. But uh, it's, it's the sign looks like Golden Apple sign, but it's clearly it's got the same stuff in the window that Meltdown Comics has in their window. And uh, we saw it. And then you're like, okay, now what do we do? Like we were, we, we wanted tried to, do to go something. in. It was yeah. just us like running against nothing over for and a over. while. That's our home. It's, does it change? Emily was asking me, like, does it change the way you drive? Because I, it doesn't change the way I drive, but I have to shut that off. Because the other day I was there, there was a red light, and I was like, I could just go through this. Yeah. This is fine. Rules don't apply and it's to also, me. also, instead of taking, like, a normal right on the street, I was like, I could just cut through this bit of grass and right. get there. <laughs> but then I have to be like, no, no, don't do that. You're not Trevor. You're Kamel. And... Rules apply. Yeah. We're the people that get pulled out of the cars. I've noticed. (laughs) Yeah, we're the people that get pulled out of the cars. That's right. It's not our story. I just finished paying this off. That's what we're saying as we get pulled to the ground. They should always do that. Yeah. What happens to those people? Well, here's the difference. The difference between how Emily and I play is... If I pull someone out of the car, I, I sort of in my head, I'm apologizing to them. And then I like drive around them. Emily will drive over them like, no witnesses. Get out of my way. If they weren't in my way, I wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> you put them in the way. You pulled them out of their car. Did I? Did I? They're asking for it. Don't, don't drive a nice car in Los Santos. Yeah. 
I drive like a shitty truck. I feel extra bad when I carjack a car in that game, and it's like a like just an older lady out for a oh, drive, yeah. and I bounce her head off the steering wheel <laughs> and pull her out, and I'm like, I am such an asshole, yeah. but I need that banshee. Give yeah. it to yeah. me. Yeah. Why banshee. is she driving a banshee? She's yeah. upwardly mobile, you know. I I did this because uh, you know there's different animations for how to pull people out. It was an old lady. And he punched her twice. He punched her, and she still looks up, and then I punched her again, pulled her out of the car, and then I drove around her. You're a real gentleman. Real gentleman. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite of the three guys? Uh, I love playing as Franklin. And He's for a gentleman. We, we were talking about this. Yeah. Franklin is the gentleman He's of the He's the three. new guy who's starting out on his life of crime. A, he a, hasn't done much yet. A perfect example is that when you can swap between the characters. At one point, I, so I came back into Franklin's body, and he was ironing yes. his white shirts. And then I jumped into Trevor's uh, body, and he was uh, pooping behind a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> It's really the full spectrum of that human experience. Humans, yeah. It's true that Franklin does the most boring shit. It's not fun to jump into him because he's always just like doing push-ups or like taking care of chop. And you're like, he's a gentleman, but he's not, he's not leaving a strip club sniffing panties. You know, that's not happening. Want to play with the indoor kids? Hit them up at Nerdist.com, iTunes and Stitcher, Smart Radio. Here now is my uh, little interview with Lily Holloman a part-time fill-in guest host occasionally on the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour, also one of the producers of the movie Lady Killers that the Chill Pack guys have been working on. Uh, here's what our talk was all about. Lily Holloman has joined our little table, our humble corner of the room. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. I always like to start with a big trumpet handshake. Nice. And very important. well done. Thanks. Um, I want to talk to you specifically because, uh, as you know, Chill Pack Hollywood is uh, one, of, one of my favorite, personal favorite podcasts. And, of course, we feature a, a clip from Chill Pack almost every episode of Succotash. Indeed. And uh, much to my surprise, not too long ago, Phil was not on the show. And he was replaced by your dulcet tones. Indeed, I was. What led, what led to that, uh, that development? Well, the past couple of months, Phil and Dean and another gentleman named Bert Bulos and I have been creating this entity that is a feature film called The Lady Killers. Yes. And um, on the odd Monday, Phil would be directing that. Okay. That is, I don't know if you know that, but that is a full-time job. I, it, well, it's a part-time job because once the film's done, you're finished. But while you're filming... Oh, then it's it a full-time like job. Double, triple, four. Absolutely. Every hour. Yeah, it's yes. like for a little slice of time, you're God. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know... Well, a very limited universe. He might be God a little bit more. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> or he thinks he is. Interesting. If, no. I, if only he could hear us talking. No, now. we're all God, actually. <laughs> we're all God. I sense my divinity. Yes. Um, but so so anyway, so you were filling in for Phil, and, and what? Uh, why did they ask you to? Did you volunteer to? How, how did that come um, about? They paid me a good sum of money. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, I know the podcast. I, I know there's money in podcasting. <laughs> yeah. So. Loads, loads, and loads. <laughs> no, I was. 
was happy to do it. They asked me to, is it pinch it or pitch it? What is that term? Uh, pit, pinch hit. Pinch hit. Yes. Every once in a while, they'll ask me to pinch it. I don't know what that means, but I know what it means. Yes. And you did a very nice job, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, and I'm just curious for your process, because having uh, been in the kitchen, I mean studio before, um, <laughs> I know that uh, it, it's... Uh, there's a there's a sort of a loose association of what's going to be happening on the show, but did, did you have a, an outline? Did you how did how did you kind of because because I noticed that that uh, uh, Dean seemed to be sort of letting you take the lead on where the show is going to go. It seemed like I like to channel my inner Phil, and what I know inner Phil. Every Sunday I watch Phil at the computer create a very detailed outline of the show, and when I showed up one morning to pinch it. As I like to say, I had I had to look up a few things, a few more things to fill in the outline. And Dean says, "What do you mean? We never outline this. We always just go willy nilly." <laughs> and he just started pressing record without me being able to look up this last little bit of info. And we were just going. So I learned my lesson, and I had a much more detailed ah. list before even entering the apartment this next time. Nice. So, yeah, that's basically how it goes. This field does a lot of research and creates a structure, and then they... And apparently Dean knows nothing about the research or the structure. No, no. But he is the ultimate improv comic, so That's, that's true. That's true. That's, that's true. That's his strength. We all like to play to our strengths, so... So what do you have going on? I know uh, you're in The Lady Killers. I am in The Lady Killers, and I was also a producer on the film. So that's really what I'm still doing, is okay. wrapping up all the business stuff. Really embracing being a businesswoman these days. So does that make you a, a double threat, the fact you were acting and producing? I think so. Or a hyphenate? Or are those interchangeable? No, I like double threat, because I come from a theater background. Okay. So yeah, that's better. All right, good. Yeah, good. I saw a show with Sue Mangers. Yeah. You know about her with um, Bette Midler, who yes. played her on Broadway. And um, Sue Mangers had a lot to say about the hyphenates. Oh, really? Yeah. Unkind she said things? Somebody who had, a, had hyphenates meant that they weren't really successful at any one thing. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> but I like the threat, the triple double threat. That's nice. I think uh, it's better than the uh, I'm told by a voice that probably isn't picking up on the mic to ask you about the Ragin' Cajun. And on the far left, I'm James Carville. Joe, this war was inevitable, but will it go far enough? Does this administration have what it takes to finish the job? So you're planning to fill in for James Carville then? Yes, I've been trying for years and years. I've had this impersonation and the bald cap since 2005. You know, with the very little uh, bit of work, you could easily make that into a Jesse Ventura. Oh, that's a good point. A little more gravel in the voice, and I think that could go to you Jesse know, I Ventura. I tried to do the OxyClean guy. Oh, the OxyClean guy, yeah, yeah. The guy, pre, the guy that died? Yes. I really tried that one, but that was beyond hmm. my abilities. Okay, well, it's good to know your limitations. <laughs> that's good. Can't do the OxyClean guy. I did get the muscle sleeves, though. Oh, nice. So that sold it a little more. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But there's nothing better than a ball cap. The, the real problem with uh, switching the James Carville to a, a Jesse Ventura is that it's, it's much too far a, a political shift. Ah, well, that would be the genius of, of the show. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Phil Ernest uh, in a cameo appearance. <laughs> uh, which, is, which is how I work best. Any uh, any any plans to return to the uh, the Chilpack microphone soon? Oh yeah, I'm gonna take it hostage one day. Nice. Yeah, as now, opposed to being invited. Sometimes it's good just to force your way in, you know. Now I know you know Phil and I have been talking about this idea of forming a network, a podcast yes. network, and there was uh, some some just sort of side talk about the fact that uh, that you might want to be doing a show. Uh, possibly about women in Hollywood or yes. something along those lines. Yes, that's true, because one of the ones that I guess hosted, I guess in June, was I went over my top ten films of all time, yes. and so the theme of my top ten films of all time were, were um, sort of a more feminine look at cinematic history. And that inspired me to want to do a show about that, about nice. strong women in the entertainment industry, in any kind of creative capacity or leadership role. That was a good episode. The, yeah. the one you were on. It was uh, interesting. Oh, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I think that would be a fun podcast, so we'll do it. Excellent. We'll make it happen. Very good. This is part of my businesswoman persona that I'm working on these days. Uh, you'll become a triple threat because you'll be yes. a, po- a full-time podcaster. Mm-hmm. Good. It's good. It's better than the hyphen. Excellent. Uh, have you had a chance to see anything here at the PodFest? I just arrived, but I'm going to catch up really quickly. Okay, well, thanks for stopping by our uh, our little corner of the world. Well, thank you for having me. Okay, Lily. For the last taste of the L.A. PodFest this episode, I do have more interviews coming up from the fest along with more clips in the next couple of shows, but here's the portion of the Chill Pack live show with special cameo guest... Me. I think this is an interesting format, and we were, and we were talking about this, and I, and I want to have this conversation uh, uh, about this idea that podcasting is really its own art form. It is yes. a unique art form. Yes. It isn't internet radio. It isn't, you know... A TV show you know, that should have been filmed. Right. I mean, every throughout the history of... of uh, Communication, broadcast media, and communication—whatever it is—there's always this effort to label it as, "Oh, it's radio with pictures." Right, right. And television it's, came right. in, of course. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, it's filmed vaudeville. Right, photo uh, play. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just talking about our documentary. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, uh, but the, but it is its own unique form. And and one of the things about it is, it feels to me that like the idea of quote unquote reviews, like you said, well, we don't we don't give bad reviews. We don't. Um, there really isn't any room or need for bad reviews. I mean, the, the, the idea that what you do is, hey, here's some cool stuff you might want to check out. Yeah. But the great thing about it is you tune into podcasts, you listen to them. If you like them, they're actually turning you on to yeah. other shows right. and other podcasts. And then, um, you know, before long, you get, uh, you know, you get to sample so many of these um, yourself. You don't need to be told by anyone else uh, find your don't waste way. your time. Yeah. Especially because also, seriously, how much does it cost? <laughs> how much are these shows costing? It's, it's right. not like, should I spend my 15 bucks to go see this movie? No, but it isn't, should I spend my time listening right. to this? And that's, that's the most valuable thing anybody has is their time. Except um, how much time we waste driving around Doing right. The so if you're going to listen to something, try listening to this. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do have people that send in clips. I invite comedy podcasters to send in their clips, and sometimes they're 
quite frankly, pretty god-awful. Um, but you listen to them. And you but but I'll listen. I, I will put them on, and I won't say this is god-awful. I'll say, here's a clip that, I, that was sent in. This is not my cup of tea, but comedy, I, you know, I've been in and around the world of comedy for over 30 years. Comedy is very subjective. Uh-huh. These people have been doing a podcast. Maybe they've got 35 episodes out there. Right. Somebody must be listening to them. Exactly. Even, even if it's three, even if it's three people, someone's listening. Yeah, but we're not even sure anybody listens to us, really. But we've been on. For I seven do. Years. Well, thank you. Yeah, sure. That's why you're sitting beside um, us. So I just uh, hey, it's three minutes out of my show. Give a listen. Maybe this is something that'll appeal to you. I don't know, but I'd rather celebrate podcast. And I think the industry of podcasting is too young to take a severe hit. Like someone is saying, these are terrible podcasts. Right. Stop exactly. Listening. Exactly. Although it isn't so young that it can't have its own museum. I mean, didn't you go yesterday to visit the, uh, yes, the podcast, the podcast museum. museum? Yes. The podcast museum? Yes. What's exactly uh, in the podcast? Well, There's a microphone from 2003. <laughs> yes. They, they have a bus from some of the, the podcasters that have passed on since podcasting began. What? Uh, that hall's empty. There's nobody <laughs> in there. Um, and you can put on headphones and listen to podcasts uh, as they used to be broadcast. Really? Over this thing called the internet. Internet, yes. you say? Yes, that's very interesting. Well, that's how our show started before. I don't know actually how many shows we've done because we just used to put it on our own website. Remember that? Those first ones that we did in the office? Right, right. They were like, we just recorded them and then just stuck like a little thing and there's like the show on the website right it didn't have a network or distribution or somebody had to go to the yeah. website and click it and then <laughs> listen to listen it. to yeah. it and i remember you telling me this is going to be the next big thing <laughs> and, look at, a, and look at the, and look at the room still waiting <laughs> still waiting oh there i am with the chill pack hollywood hour boys dean and phil you can find more at chillpackhollywood.com also itunes and stitcher and, um, gosh, they're all over the place, those guys. Hey, my name is Lily Holloman. You're listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. Our ambassador to the middle and raging moderate Will Durst jumps into the fray about the government shutdown and the approaching debt ceiling as only he can with a litany of oxymorons for comparison. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the current shenanigans going on in Washington. Yes, I'm talking about the government shutdown and the approaching debt ceiling crisis. What the country seems to be lacking here is a little something called congressional responsibility, which, as it turns out, is a wee tad of a bit of a total oxymoron, very similar to saying Fukushima sushi, elegant squalor, comfortable rock, spherical edge, iron kite, freedom shackles, fresh detritus, Reality television, Amish innovation, flammable sleet, placid hammer, colossal shrimp, diminutive giant, formal jeans, sensitive linebacker, salable autonomy, veteran rookie, vegetarian butcher, pork tartare, precarious certainty, serene devastation, sour honey, Catholic condoms, heaven's basement, gelatinous needle, sadistic lover, Healthy fries, banker's compassion, chaste indiscretion, San Francisco barbecue, unhungry shark, temporary tax, municipal management, Milwaukee modern, dictated choice, guaranteed wager, cobweb fence, terminal approach, relaxing discomfiture, exceptional banality, underground satellite, trendily baroque, crystal ladder, turbulent stillness, whispering tank, Fortunate Disaster, Frozen Inferno, Disposable Resource, Panoramic Void, Gleeful Shame, 
Submariner screen door. Joint account. Apathetic detestation. Twisted arrow. Absent-minded surgery. Aerobic couch. Tasty tofu. Chaotic seclusion. Anarchist leader. Garlic mouthwash. Understanding spouse. Critical frivolity. Irrevocable contingency. Distinct oblivion. Collateral damage. Identical mutation. Blistering salve. Restrained oligarchy. Creepy rhapsody. Sympathetic bureaucrat. Kamikaze reunion. Religious tolerance. Drowsy lightning. Creationist science. Fox News. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. You'll discover so much more Durst at WillDurst.com, and you can also find him all at Twitter, at Will Durst. How's that for a thrill-packed clip storm and interview hurrah? You've just witnessed episode 71, and I just want to thank, once again, our honorary associate producer, Tyson Sainer, for harvesting so much of the clippage you enjoyed on this show. I'm going to take a nap now, but why don't you take a copy of this episode and go past the Suckatash? You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, or on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show, email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com, or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll call number, 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Suckatash. Goodbye. Don't make me laugh. I'm not going to. Hi, guys. I'm Paul. And I'm Kim. We are here for another episode of Eat Broke Love. Tonight with our friends uh, Jimmy and Megan, they're having a little bit of a conundrum. I think we should just get right in there and see what's going on in that kitchen. Let's do it, Kim. What's going on? Why are you guys holding a steak all sad like that? What you're saying really doesn't mean anything to me. Well, I thought the thought counts at the very least. You were thinking about me when you were looking at that steak? Yeah, I thought it would be nice for us to enjoy this together. Jimmy is the sweetest guy I know. Wouldn't you agree? Well, you don't know all the guys I know, so you couldn't really answer. Jimmy ate lunch today. She always forgets. Why didn't you eat lunch today? I don't know. Why didn't you eat lunch today? I don't know. I thought I could, you know, enjoy dinner at home, but I guess not. Do you guys have a comfy couch in case Jimmy needs to sleep on that tonight, or is that... Um, He's not sleeping on the couch. Oh, okay. What do we got? Got, like... Grapes, greens, onion. Kim, why don't you tell us some jokes while I figure something out right now? Big knife, small knife, what do you want? I got a lot of knives. We're gonna start making some uh, sauteed onions. Do you have any butter, Jimmy? Uh, I don't know. Is it what vegan? A- Paul, do you know what vegan is? We, maybe you should explain to Paul what a vegan actually is. Uh, vegan is just alternative eating style. What do you mean alternative? Like, you're gonna cut your freaking hands off, man. Like fourth meal? Fourth meal's alternative. We are opening up some lima beans, and we are opening up some whole kernel corn. Jimmy, did you know my grandma's from the south? No. Yep, South Long Beach. And she makes some really, really good succotash. Succotash is a traditionally southern dish. 
Uh, what we've done now, we've just thrown the chopped sweet onion into the frying pan. We are browning it in the virgin olive oil. It only does. We just added the lima beans and the corn. It's gonna be great. A little bit of salt. And then you can go a little heavy on the pepper because these are naturally sweet. Jimmy, I think we're almost ready to plate the food. Let's do one more pass of pepper. I, okay. I just, uh... I got one on my shirt. Ladies? Yes? I'm starving. And uh, fork. Plastic fork, sorry. Now we're doing you want to blow it. And the, and the food too. Jimmy, that's, yeah, it's pretty delicious, Jimmy. Good job. You managed to save this meal. This is really vegan? This is all vegan? Yes, actually. Um, we only used half a beef bouillon cube. Just kidding. <laughs> I thought vegan tasted like yeah. yucky this whole time. It's yeah, actually not bad. All right, Megan. So, is this uh, is this vegan experience? I don't know. Just, just, just <laughs> straight up ask him. Just how, how how this is gonna affect the relationship in the long run. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Jimmy will ever bring home steak again. And you know, if he does, there will be consequences. And Jimmy, how do you feel about what you learned tonight? Do you think you took you walked away from this experience with a new perspective on romance and culinary arts? Um. Well, we just tossed like beans in the pan. Uh, so that wasn't like mind blowing. What about the corn in the pan? You know, I usually just, I don't think I've ever cooked corn, so like that. Um, and the onion in the pan? Yeah, I've done that. You definitely, I've, I've, I've done that. Do you think you and Megan are gonna walk away from this stronger for it? Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Yes. We will. I wish I could say the same for Kim and I. Next week, we're gonna have some new guests that we'll tell you about next week. Thanks for watching Eat Broke Love. I'm Paul.